Welcome to Live from My Office. My name is Steve Cochran. Thrilled to have Dr. Kevin Most back for this episode. And keeping with the theme of men of science, David Curley will be here as well. You think it's a little awkward up on the space station, you know, the cosmonauts and one of our astronauts up until the other day? Uh, When we recorded this with David Curley, that astronaut was still floating around and there was a brief threat that was thrown out that maybe he wouldn't be given a ride home as Russia still controls a good portion of what we can do in space. Uh, But David Curley clears that up. And as you may now know, the astronaut made it home. But for the sake of drama, let's say the cosmonauts are holding him and won't let him go. Hmm? Huh? Yeah, let's roll with that. So Dr. Kevin Most, David Curley, both here as always. We couldn't do it without David Hochberg and Team Hochberg at 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. Again, if you're paying attention, you know that uh, interest rates are going up this year. So there's no sense in waiting, but it's not just refis or original mortgages, anything involving the money you have in your home or how to get more out of it. David Curley and Team Hochberg. David Curley could help, but it's not who we're talking about. In the case of these Davids, I'm talking about David Hochberg. David Hochberg and Team Hochberg can help at 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. All right, as you know, uh, fairly regularly, we give away apt gift cards here on Live from My Office. Let's do that again, courtesy of apt electronics, pleasing people since the dawn of time. Um, let's make it easy. I haven't done this before, so why not? Uh, we'll just call this the uh, we'll call this the live from my office birthday club. The first five people that email me to tell me your birthday's in April, uh, you send me your contact information, as in your mailing address, and uh, email me at thecochranshow at gmail dot com. And tell me it's your birthday, and tell me I didn't get you anything last year, and tell me you'd like an apt gift card, and I'll send it to you for your birthday. All right? Again, it's April birthdays, first five in at thecochranshow at gmail.com. They get an apt gift card. Thank you, Apt Electronics. Uh, And I appreciate it, as always. Great supporters of Live from My Office. All right, so as I said, Dr. Kevin Most and David Curley, the former... A chief transportation correspondent for ABC News are both on as we do Men of Science today on Live from My Office. If you're purchasing a new home, refinancing your existing home, securing a VA loan, a reverse mortgage, do what I did when I needed help making money on my house and not having my house cost me too much money. I called Team Hochberg, a trusted local lender. Manny, age 40, a project manager, income 70000 a year, called to get pre-qualified to purchase a home. The challenge was Manny was carrying $20,000 of debt on his credit cards and didn't have a down payment. So he called Team Hochberg for a free consultation. Team Hochberg loan officer Juan Rodriguez created a plan for Manny to A, pay off his debt, B, save for a down payment, C, purchase the home. So let's review. Before calling Team Hochberg, Manny didn't qualify. Four months after calling Team Hochberg, his debts paid off, he saved for a down payment, and he successfully purchased his first home. Couldn't happen without Team Hochberg. And they've helped me and thousands of my podcast listeners, too. Like Manny, create a plan to purchase a new home. They can't help you if you don't call. But when you do call, you're going to get exceptional customer service. 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. And tune into Home Sweet Home Chicago on WGN. It's hosted by David Hochberg, Saturdays after House Marts at 10 a.m. 
Homesite Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. Now I'm live from my office. Always a thrill for me, but I don't get out much to say. Here again is my friend and yours, Dr. Kevin Most from Northwestern Medicine and CDH Hospital and all the other hospitals that we've talked about through time that he contributes to as well. Hi, Doc. Hi, Steve. How are you? We've had a couple weeks off here so it's kind of nice connecting again it's good to have you back and uh you know because we need you we need the information you have and we're getting into the season now you know i don't want to frighten people but we may actually have regular concerns now that we normally have medically at this time of year and i want to hit a couple of those as well but talk to me about covid first uh this other variant that's out there that's gotten a little bit of hype recently are we concerned? Are we not concerned? Where is your head at that? Yeah, you know, I, I think we're always going to be concerned, but we're we're not crazy concerned like we have been in the past, I'll say. You know, the, what you're talking about is the BA2 variant. It's a sub-variant of Omicron. So if we all remember how quickly Omicron came in and ramped up and we had a lot of cases, BA2 is doing somewhat the same thing. It's taken over as the dominant strain here in Chicago just in the past couple of days. So it's interesting that we're seeing this large, I shouldn't say large number, we're seeing this new strain, but fortunately the impact on the hospitals has been minimal. So we're not seeing hospitalizations, we're not seeing increased ICUs, and we're keeping our fingers crossed because we lag behind Britain by usually a month or so, and Britain saw the same thing, increases of BA2, and now they're starting to see hospitalizations. So we're going to hope that our immunization rates and vaccination rates are high enough that we don't see the impact that they that they saw in Britain. Did Britain experience uh, a lot of extra sickness from this, or how vicious was there is this variant? Yeah, it's not really vicious, but what it is, it's hitting those who are the immunocompromised and those with the borderline medical conditions like emphysema and heart disease. So what they're seeing is that the number of cases has gone up. And then the number of hospitalizations, which is a lagging indicator, now they're starting to see it. So it's a mild illness for the most part. But then the other thing we're seeing now is, unfortunately, when we look at Israel, Britain, and South, uh, excuse me, South Africa, is they're still getting paces of long COVID. So those aggravating symptoms that just continue on and on, like brain fog or uh, you know cognitive things or shortness of breath. So although we don't see a lot of hospitalizations, we still are making sure that people are vaccinated as much as possible and and trying to stay as safe as we can. Uh, And what does that mean as far as those of us who are maybe overly cautious to those of us who weren't cautious enough? Um, I feel funny when I go into places now without the mask, and I certainly don't look funny at anybody that still wears the mask, though I'm not seeing many of them, are you? No, not, not at all. And I think one of the biggest things is what's going to happen on April 18th. You know, what's the decision going to be regarding public transportation and masking? You know, if we take it off, that is going to be really hit the media hard. And now are people going to have this sense of we're done with this? And that's probably one of the biggest concerns is, you know, complacency is one thing, um, but really just lack of, of caring, I'll say, is, is going to be the big part here. And, you know, is if we say, oh, we don't need masks anymore in public transportation, how many people are going to go get in line now for that fourth shot that was just recommended last week? So 
it'll be very interesting to see what his decision is on public transportation. Talk to me about that extra booster. Uh, is it something that we all should be thinking about or doing as soon as possible? Yeah, you know, it's not a bad idea. Um, I'm certainly going to get it probably this week. You know, when we look at it and we're looking at the science behind it, so what we're seeing is a couple things. And it's one, one reason why we'll probably do better than Britain is we have people that have gotten their, their boosters, people who have gotten the breakthrough cases, so got some mild Omicron, so they're really getting some good protection. But now they notice that people that got that booster greater than four months ago, so which many of us got our booster six, seven, eight months ago, you know, now we're looking at that going, hey, the immunity is starting to wane. We're starting to see this increase in BA2. Let's protect those individuals that we need to protect. So if you saw when it was recommended, the recommendation came out, individuals over 50 and those with other immunocompromised illnesses. So certainly looking at that targeted population or even a mild case or a bad case of influenza can, can impact your health. Um, the booster aside, the Vax for little kids has been something that's just kind of been hanging out there. And, you know, if you're under the age of five uh, and you get sick, it's certainly a concern. Where's the status of that? Yeah, so we should hear that full data here probably in the next two weeks. Um, it, it will be interesting, and I think it will be um, – I don't want to say controversial, but when you look at what happened, even when we went to five to 11 year olds, right? A third of the kids, you know, we're going to get it. A third, we're going to wait. And a third, we're saying, we're not going to do this at all. As we get into even that younger population and you're starting to hear about the subvariants being not as um, devastating and from a health related, I think you're going to see some hesitancy in parents. So until we get to a point, we're going to say, Hey, it's mandatory for schools. I think that it's not going to make the big splash that uh, we, we would have hoped it would have made to slow down the spread. We have to remember that some of the vaccination of kids is not so much to protect kids with great immune systems, but it's to protect those in the households that they're going back to and right. not bringing illness back into there. You know, this is a, maybe a bit of a stretch. Maybe it isn't. But with the incredible refugee exodus from Ukraine uh, into Poland, into all sorts of parts of Europe, uh, wearing a mask is not their greatest concern. Living is their concern right now. And obviously, whatever they have, they're bringing with them biologically as well. What is being said about that? Is the, is the World Health Organization address that? Absolutely. So they're, they're looking at it certainly with the, the, the patient, excuse me, the individuals who are leaving the Ukraine. You have to remember, think about what they've been going through. So obviously, probably not the highest vaccination rates, probably not the access to health for vaccines over a period of time. So many of these individuals are coming out not vaccinated, and many of them probably are coming out with COVID. So certainly testing the individuals and then getting them the vaccine and getting them the treatment that they need. You know, the hospitals there are more concerned about people who have been injured from bombings and shootings and the war itself, so that things that we also have looked at saying we're not doing the mammograms, the colonoscopies, all those screening tests. Same thing has been happening in the Ukraine, obviously. And so we're going to see the impact of that as they leave the Ukraine and go, whether it's to Poland, the United States, wherever they end up, certainly their health is going to be one of our priorities. Uh, 
Are we at a point where we can say from your side, the medical side of this, that this is something we should start to frame our minds around in uh, the world we are in, that we're going to live with it and it's going to be a seasonal thing? 100%. This isn't going to go away. You know, it has already shown us that it can uh, mutate enough to continue its popularity and continue its spread, just like influenza will never go away. You know, we, we look at influenza and if you think about it, you know, we used to talk all the time when the influenza shot came out, what are the four strains that we're looking at? What are the four strains we're focusing on for influenza for this year? Same thing will happen here with, with COVID. We're going to have the subvariants, and we're going to get a, a vaccine. I would imagine it hopefully right along with your flu shot. Um, that's going to be what is the predominant COVID strain going around right now? So whether it's because you have to remember the vaccine that we're taking right now for COVID was for the original strain of COVID, right. which has already mutated three times across the world. So certainly we're going to try to focus the vaccine uh, either more of a shotgun approach so that we're going to cover more than one strain. Well, and it goes back to the same argument and in, in, in sermon that you've had every year uh, about the flu. And that is, the, and we've said it over and over again here and, on the radio as well about COVID. Nobody told you this was a hundred percent and you got the shot. You're never going to get sick. This is the best case scenario that the best minds in science can devise in real time at the time. And you're better off with protection that it provides than throwing caution to the wind and just seeing if you get lucky. I mean, man, it just doesn't get more common sense than that. I don't think. It really doesn't. And, you know, when we look at the effectiveness of the vaccine, it's amazing. You know, we're, and you have to remember what we're, what are we using as the end game to say it's effective? And that is you're not in the hospital and you're not in the intensive care unit. Certainly you might get some of the, the signs and symptoms of COVID, but you're not going to end up in the hospital. You're not going to end up in a ventilator. You're not going to die. So the vaccine certainly does that. Now, when you're looking at long COVID cases, Boy, I'll tell you, getting the, the vaccine is probably one thing people say, you know what, I don't want to get it. I'd rather get COVID. Um, but they're saying that with the short-sighted information that certainly you might have it for a couple of weeks and get over it. But how would you like to be short of breath the rest of your life? How would you like to have brain fog for, you know, months and months and months? You know, some of these long COVID symptoms, they're getting to people even after mild illness. So the importance of the vaccine cannot be highlighted enough to show not only are you going to protect yourself from getting sick, but you're going to protect yourself from some chronic illnesses as well. Well, we know in a country that is the the best in the world, as we like to think, and I certainly believe we are, we're still only at what, 65% vaccinated? I think that's the number I saw recently. Is that about where we are? Yeah, we're about six, yeah, 67% vaccinated. But the unfortunate thing is that that's counting the two doses. If you look at boosted, you know, we're under 50% still. So we had a lot of people that got the vaccine, but yet have not gone to get boosted. So even with the fourth shot or second booster, whichever you want to, however you want to term it, um, certainly those numbers are going to drop off even more. And you're going to have just one portion of the population that's, you know, very well protected. And out of that uh, 50% that we're talking about the boosted numbers now, that isn't vaccinated i still think 25 percent to 30 percent maybe 50 percent of the 50 percent they're still gettable but it would sure be a shame if it took another wave to get people to go oh yeah i forgot how big a deal this is 
We lost a million people plus in this country. Others will still die. Multi-millions around the world. Um, history will remember this as the worst pandemic uh, in modern age. Uh, if you're not already on board, I don't know how much we can help you, but I would just encourage you to continue to wash your hands, wear the mask, social distance where you're uncomfortable. Certainly don't judge others who are doing those things. And don't assume you're going to be okay. You don't have to walk around afraid of the day and thinking the next germ clouds around the corner, but this is not a time to be stupid. And going forward, normal is going to be this. Yeah, 100%. And I think the other thing is a lot of people are saying, I don't want to get vaccinated because I had COVID. And I'll tell you, a huge study just came out that shows that individuals, which we are calling hybrids, that got vaccinated and got COVID have now, their immune system is the top of the hill, you know, better than individuals who got, you know, vaccinated and boosted. Those individuals who got the infection as well as gotten vaccinated, their immune system is great. And that's, that's where you want to be. So individuals are saying, you know what, I'm not getting it because I've already had COVID. Well, your natural immunity will wane. And that's why the importance of the vaccine is there as well. Let me uh, uh, shift gears to a couple other things that are pertinent this time of year. Uh, colds, I guess some lingering flu, and certainly allergies. How do we know that we don't have COVID when those normal symptoms pop up? Yeah, and that's, that is one of our biggest concerns right now. And it's kind of interesting. So if you look right now and you hear we're talking about COVID positivity rates at under 2%. So that means how many people were testing, only 2% of them are testing positive. And often those are people who have symptoms. And it's just showing us that the common cold and allergies are what is causing people to go in to get tested. So certainly, you know, the, the symptoms for all of them can be very similar, right? Individuals who have bad allergies often think they have a sinus infection. When there's no bacteria, there's no viruses at all. It's just the allergies at that time of the year. So sometimes it's impossible to tell. You know, certainly seeing your doctor where you can do a good exam for you and then treat you appropriately. Again, with allergies, you know, you walk down the, the Walgreens or CVS, the aisle for allergy medicine. It is like a multicolored, you know, try to get your attention. Sure. And a lot of the medications are what we call kitchen sinks. They throw everything in there in the hopes that the one symptom you have, they have got that in their medication. But they also have other medications which give you side effects, whether it's antihistamines, which make you drowsy, you know, decongestants, which can raise your heart rate and your blood pressure. So uh, expectorants, which can make you cough a lot more. So there's many different things and you, you really need to understand what your symptoms are and what the medications are that, that you should be taking. But certainly a lot of people are doing COVID tests now based on the symptoms that they have, which is awesome because we do want to see, is there a new subvariant? Is there a change? We're going to need that people continue to test. And remind people, the reason I get two tests in a kid is why? Well, a couple of reasons. One is that we at home are not as good as the scientists and the lab technicians at a hospital. So the collection of it is there. The other is that when you test, you're testing kind of whatever you want versus individuals who really are tested appropriately. You might say, oh, you know what? I went to a party last night and Joe, you know, had COVID. We just found out. I'm going to test. Well, it's probably too early. You've already wasted that test. And then two, probably the biggest thing is we know that these tests are not 100%. That's why we give you two 
so that the, the chance of getting the correct uh, response out of the test uh, definitely is elevated when you do two tests on two consecutive days. So you do it today, you do it tomorrow. Yeah, I usually tell people, you know, wait two to three days, you know, after you had your quote unquote exposure, because that would be the time. And then I would do one. And then I'm telling people to wait two to three days, because really, unless you have major symptoms, there's nothing you're going to do for it. But you should assume you're positive and really limit who you're going to be around and make sure that you're not exposing yourself to those who are, you know, frail, elderly or with comorbidities. You talking to me? Um, Yes, I was. (laughs) All right, so let me shift again out of COVID in a little farther away from it, but still, I guess, interconnected. The booster and the vaccines and all that we've had. I'm looking at getting the shingles shots. There's two of them. Uh, Am I in a good window to do that now since it's been months since I had my booster? Yeah, yeah, you can. You definitely can. And, you know, right now, people need to understand that that the new uh, shingles shot, the Shingrix, shot. That's the one you want to get. That is probably the most important. People say, oh, I got a shingle shot a long time ago. You know, should I wait or, um, you know, or, or am I good? And, you know, the, the new vaccine is so much better that we're telling people, you know, go get it. It's much better than the old Zostavrax. So um, in people that get it, if you've ever had shingles, you would rush to get the vaccine because it is not an illness that anybody wants to get. And, and you could do it at Walgreens, CVS, all over the place. Oh yeah. Yep. And it's usually going to be in those um, places because uh, a lot of doctor's offices are not going to hold on to it. And you have to remember, it's not just one shot, it's two shots. So you're going to get your first dose and then your second dose somewhere between two and six months later. So certainly, you know, just kind of put that in there. Often your doctor's office or your electronic medical record will remind you about that second one, um, but certainly making sure you get the full two shots to get you all the protection that you need. And people have to remember saying, you know what, I don't even know about shingles. Well, we have to remember that it comes from the same virus that causes chicken pox. And unfortunately, those people that are just still in their 50s and 60s and 70s, those individuals had chicken pox. They may not remember it, but they had chicken pox. And that virus just lives in our body dormant. It doesn't cause any problems. But when we get stressed, when our body is stressed, that comes out. And that's exactly what happens is the virus starts to multiply and it goes along a certain nerve and it causes inflammation and pain. So certainly uh, it's one that I, you know, people should get as soon as they can. Yeah. My dad, one of the toughest guys I ever knew. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, mean, I just remember him looking at me after, you know, being in the throes of shingles, just looking at me and just going, you don't want this. You know, it's like, okay, Clint Eastwood, I don't want it. I get it. So uh, getting this is important. Now, one thing we've learned from you is the vaccines we get fire up our immune system to recognize what could be invading our body and therefore attack it. Some of that comes with side effects. I've heard people say shingles side effects are particularly tough, uh, true or individual case kind of thing? Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely individual. I had no problems at all with mine. I mean, I had some arm discomfort, but that was it. Um, but I still would tell people, even that people that get a little tired, worn out, kind of feel blah, okay, that's your immune system working. But individuals have to understand, those individuals who do not get this, one in three to one in two and a half, 
people will get this. So, you know, somewhere between 30 and 40% of the population will end up with shingles. Again, because the, the virus is still in our body, it's just in a dormant state until it wants to come out. So people say, hey, you know what? I'm super healthy. I'm not, I mean, look at our good friend, Dave Ennett, right? He oh, has yeah. shingles. Yep. Talk about a guy, I mean, he eats kale, he runs, he does all these healthy things, and yet he ends up with shingles. Yeah, I mean, it can happen to anybody. There's no question about it. Uh, the pneumonia vaccine, important or, again, case by case? What do we know there? No, no, certainly, uh, certainly important. And, you know, just some changes came out with that as well, you know, as far as the timing, because there's a couple pneumonia shots that you get. And, again, it just goes to talk to you about mutations and strains. So, you know, the, the pneumovax, you know, the vaccine for pneumonia you know, covers 20 strains, and then there's another one that covers another 13 strains. So certainly that's the drug, that's a, excuse me, that's a vaccine that can protect you from a bacterial infection in your lungs. If you look at the causes of death, certainly heart disease is up there, but pneumonia is, you know, is definitely in the top five. So anything that we can do to protect you, and as we age, our immune system isn't as strong, our defense mechanism, even our coughing is not as strong to keep bacteria out of our lungs so anything we can to protect against the bacteria that cause pneumonia certainly is so i would say shingles pneumovax those are the big ones that you want to get right now which one first does it matter no you know i mean if you're young and healthy you know you can still get um you know uh shingles at any time the chance of you getting pneumonia is probably a little bit lower so certainly you know uh, I, I was going to say, if I really wanted to choose which one I would get, uh, I would probably get the, the shingles first. And I'm sure that Walgreens, CVS, and wherever these shots are offered protect us from us in regards to scheduling, but I assume you wouldn't get these at the same time? No, you know, most people, especially when you're looking at side effects, uh, I, I would say for the most part you could get them at the same time, but I would say spread those out mainly because of the side effects and let your immune system maximize what it's looking for. So let your immune system go to fight and understand what it's looking for. And that's exactly what we get with vaccines. So, you know, I would spread them out and, and cause it's not like, uh, it's not like influenza, right? Where we know we have this window to get your influenza shot before, you know, pneumonia and shingles. These are shots that are going to protect you for decades. Okay. Uh, back to allergies briefly. Uh, it, I've had uh, itchy eyes and things this past month or so, more so than I have certainly in previous March, April time frame. So I started taking 12 hour Claritin for my waking hours and only a couple times have I taken a second 12 hour, you know, before I went to bed. Uh, is that a strategy as opposed to taking 24 or does it not matter? You know, it probably really doesn't matter. I mean, I would say if you're taking the 12 hour and you have bad allergies, make sure you're taking it twice a day. In other words, the medication kind of has to get to a level to continue to work. So if you're going peak valley, peak valley, peak valley, it's it's only working at certain times. Now, the interesting thing about allergies has been, you know, it's kind of a cold streak that we've had here, you know, snow yesterday, cold today, you know, what's going to happen when these trees really pop? Because um, right now it's trees that are causing the biggest allergies. And you can start to see that many of the trees have buds, but they're going to pop here very soon. And when they do, anybody with, you know, uh, tree allergies is and tree pollens is certainly going to get worse. So taking those medications beforehand absolutely works great. 
In other words, what I'm saying is, <clears throat> if I knew I was allergic to grass and grass seeds, um, and I know that grass is going to hit around, you know, June 5, June 10, June 15, you know, the end of May, I'm going to start taking my antihistamines. So I'm not going to wait till I get symptoms to to try to block the, re, the the impact of them. So right now, depending on what you're allergic to, certainly taking your non-stating antihistamines is a good idea. The other thing that people have to really realize is that, you know, oh, Claritin didn't work for me. One Claritin didn't work for me, so I'm going to take two. It doesn't work that way. So certainly don't double up your doses. But what you can do is switch from Claritin to Zyrtec. We know that they're not the same drug, and some people have more success with one one or the other. And then, you know, the downfall or the uh, fallback is always Benadryl, but you really have to make sure and see how that impacts you as it makes many people drowsy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I ever needed a nap, I'd go to the Benadryl. Um, Wait, I need a nap all the time. I guess I don't need the Benadryl. Uh, so here's the thing that I just said to you that I think a lot of people do. I'm kind of fooling myself is my take on what you just told me. I might as well do the 24 hour Claritin because I know I've got an allergy thing going on and allow my body to adjust to the med. Correct. Okay. And and we, we know compliance with medications, even people that say, you know what? I don't want to take the 24. I want to take the 12. Well, we know the compliance drops off with every single dose that we used that we right. need to take. Right. If you remember back when you were a kid, you were taking amoxicillin for ear infections. You're taking it four times a day. Right. Well, the chance of you taking it four times a day, is about zero. So now that's why we have gotten to medications where we're trying to get it. So they only have to remember to take a drug once a day, whether it's for your cholesterol or for your blood pressure. But we know that compliance obviously goes up when it's a once a day medication. Um, what about uh, this daylight savings time bill that's out there? Uh, you know, you have any take on that? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's wrong. And let me, phrase this the right way. If we are going to say we're not going to go into daylight savings time, uh, we're not going to change clocks, I'll say, to, instead of saying it that way, then we should be really going with standard time, not daylight savings time. You know, there's a bunch of health-related reasons. And, you know, we look at this and the shock that happens in the spring when you have this big change certainly is not great. In other words, what we've been seeing throughout, you know, the normal cycle here is you know, increases in daylight um, on a gradual basis. And then when we have daylight savings time, you have this huge shock, right? Now it's dark again when you wake up. It's light later so that your sleep pattern gets thrown off. Your awake pattern certainly is thrown off. So really what a lot of experts are saying is we shouldn't be going into daylight savings time all the time. We should just stay on standard time and just live through it with, you know, the, the changes as they would happen naturally. Um, you know, it being light till what you know, almost eight thirty nine o'clock at night uh, is not good for your body. You know, your body then you now you're trying to shut your body down, but your body has been seeing daylight the whole time, saying I should stay awake, I should stay awake. So certainly, you know the importance of sleep health, and it certainly would appear that staying on standard time at some, you know, some states already do right. Arizona does, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and you know. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that, but uh, I'm sure it'll end up being state by state, which will be a mess. Yeah, well, you know, if you can uh, count on anybody, you can certainly count on Congress. <laughs> so yeah, 
Uh, and lastly, spring break, huge, huge, huge spring break numbers, huge travel numbers. Planes are flying full. Cruises are open again. Uh, statistically, one might say this will certainly lead to an uptick in all sorts of different illnesses. Is the hospital community ready for that? Yeah, you know, I, I think we are. And, you know, everybody was upset that, that, uh, that the government, Biden, you know, extended that uh, masking for another month till April 18th. And, and I have to think that his advisors said, hey, you know what? If we buy this extra month, we're at least going to get through spring break where people are going jammed into airports and jammed onto airplanes so that we can at least protect and slow the spread there. So certainly that um, will be a, interesting to see what they decide on April 18th. Um, but for us, you know, the hospitals with uh, infectious diseases and spread will be fine right now. You know, if the BA2 variant is the one, it certainly it doesn't seem like it's impacting a lot of hospitalizations. And it's not like Florida has this different subvariant that everybody that went to Florida is going to be bringing back. But um, it will be interesting to see what happens on the 18th. All right, so quick review. Uh, the booster, where do we get it? When do we get it, this extra booster? Yeah, the extra booster. So four to six months after you've had your last booster, and many of us did. I mean, you probably look back, you probably had it October, November, December. So you're really kind of right there. Anybody over the age of 50, anybody that's immunocompromised or has any other chronic illness. Um, so you certainly see that the government and the FDA and CDC, I should say, are looking at that vulnerable population of those over 50. And you can get it at CVS, Walgreens. One of the big questions I'm getting asked is, you know, I had Moderna and then I got a Pfizer. Um, you know, I had the two shots of Moderna and then I got a Pfizer. What should I get my next one? That really doesn't matter. If you've had Moderna, 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 I would say go ahead and get Pfizer. It's just going to give you a little bit better coverage and a little bit wider spectrum. But certainly making sure that you at least have one of each of those in your four shots is important. Uh, so if we had, in my case, I've had Pfizer, Pfizer, Pfizer. Should I look for a Moderna? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That would be the best for you. Now, a lot of people are saying, you know what? I had Pfizer, 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 and I had no side effects at all. Right. And I really did well. And I'd say, you know what? Stick with it. You know, go with, you can go again. You're talking about a percentage point or two here that you might get with additional protection. Um, when it was that third shot, you know, some of the studies showed no difference and other studies showed, you know, four to five to six, seven percent difference. So, um, you can't go wrong with either. The, probably the most important message is get the fourth one. Uh, coming soon, Dr. Most and I are going to ask Dr. Ashish Bacha, one of the best dermatologists in the country, to join us to talk about sun health because we're into that season in a matter of minutes. But before I let you go, my fellow golf nut, um, while we've been talking this morning, Tiger Woods has announced, yeah, he is in Augusta. That's not a made-up story. He is practicing. And he will be, quote, a game-time decision on whether or not he plays. Uh, Augusta National, very difficult course to walk. If you saw his Hall of Fame ceremony a month ago, he was having trouble getting up on the podium area to speak. So it's hard to imagine, but you never want to count Tiger Woods out, do you? No, you don't. And, you know, his mantra has always been, I'm not going to play in a tournament unless I think I can win. Um and like you said, anybody who has not been to Augusta, it is not an easy walk. Hardest walk on tour. Huge, huge elevation changes now. And, and as you change tee boxes, makes it even longer. Um, so it, w- it would really surprise me, especially after seeing him even playing in the PNC with his son, Charlie, 
you know, he's riding the cart for that. And you right. could see that he wasn't, he wasn't even hitting every shot, I think mainly because he had some discomfort. So um, I think it's great. I think it's awareness for the game and, and um, it'll be interesting to see if he tries to tee it up. And I don't want to, you know, solve all the world's problems in one fell swoop, but I think I have the whole people won't take the COVID thing finally figured out. You may want to write this down. I say we just take the shot and we put it into Starbucks coffee. Because, Brilliant. Because you Starbucks people, you'll drink that. You don't care what's in it. As long as you got your coffee, you'll drink it. So nice partnership with Starbucks. Maybe you wear a Starbucks patch right on your scrubs. <laughs> You know, just think about it. Hey, yeah, there's longer lines, longer lines at Starbucks than there are for COVID shots, unfortunately. Isn't that true? Wow. Yeah. That's an eye-opener. Thank you, my friend. As always, it's Dr. Kevin Most, and uh, he just wants you to feel as good as you can feel and love your life. So the more you listen here and wherever he appears to the advice he gives you, the better off you're going to be. Thanks, Doc. You got it. Take care. We'll talk soon. If you're purchasing a new home, refinancing your existing home, securing a VA loan or reverse mortgage, you need to do what I've done in the past. Whenever I need help with a house, I call Team Hockberg, your trusted local lender. This time, let's meet Pete, who recently posted this five-star Google review after saving over $800 a month as he completed a cash-out refinance with the help of Team Hockberg loan officer, Mark Zenner. Here it is, quote, what a great lender. Heard David Hochberg giving great advice on several radio stations and podcasts. Sounded too good to be true. His team is amazing. A big shout out to Mark Zenner. Very, very responsive and makes it happen. Thank you, Team Hochberg. I'm telling everyone about my great experience, end quote. Over 200 five-star reviews can be read by simply going to Team Hochberg Reviews on your browser. Go to 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com and see those reviews right now. And if you want to experience the same outstanding customer service as Pete did, as well as me, my family, my friends, my listeners, before you got in that line as well, well, you simply need to do what we've all done. 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. And tune in to Home Sweet Home Chicago, hosted by David Hochberg, Saturdays after House Smarts at 10. Homeside Financial, an equal housing lender, NMLS number 1124061. Always a pleasure to welcome my friend David Curley back to live from my office. Thanks for taking the time to do this. My pleasure. Love it. Great to chat with you, as always. I am a huge fan of what you're doing um, with Full Throttle. Full Throttle. I mean, you know everything that moves. You go from this tremendous anchor and reporter to the guy that is not just the aviation expert, but the transportation expert, the senior transportation correspondent at ABC News. You the discovery stuff and everything else. You're the go-to guy now for everything in space until you actually get the uniform and you get to go yourself. Um, Sign me up. So talk about full throttle for a second. Um, but what are you doing there? So I, I call it the transportation transformation. Um, I believe we're in a decade, at least till 2030 and maybe a little beyond of just radical changes in the way we get from here to there. Uh, we're talking about the electrification of cars, autonomous vehicles, commercial space, your chance to put on a uniform and, and take a ride. Why isn't Pete Davidson going? Uh, 
supersonic jets. There's a big effort to try and bring supersonics back and fly them over the continental United States. A lot of autonomy with trains. It's just this a massive amount of change. You think about how long it took us to to go from the horse and buggy to the car, and we've used the car for so long that in this decade, the way we move around is really, really going to change. And unfortunately, um, I made a big mistake, Steve. Um, they they had us pick the URL for our site, and mine is horrendously long. It's <laughs> David Curly Full Throttle As one of my friends said, just. Google full throttle and curly K E R L E Y. That is the, I mean, that's the most direct route. And isn't it ironic that a guy who writes about the modernization of movement has the slowest moving uh, Earl for a website. I, hmm. uh, I, I, it was a mistake. They told us we couldn't change it. Somebody there said, what I said, well, should I call it full throttle or should I call it David curly or when they said, why don't you do both? What a big mistake. <laughs> I love to that. There's because I have this theory that everybody in IT, I shouldn't say everybody. Okay, everybody, everybody in IT, they know exactly how long a job of any kind will take, but they're, they're but we don't. So if the IT guy, you know, wants to play, uh, you know, a, a Halo for six hours before he gets to you uh, in your computer, he'll tell you, ah, this is a two day job, man. Yeah. It's a two day yeah. job. I can't just change the David Curley thing. I can't do it. But to, how much have you learned about technology here in the last couple of years doing oh, all crazy. this work? That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the worst chief engineer in the history of audio. Just so people know, you don't want to hire me for anything. I was actually talking to one of my colleagues yesterday, who's also a bulletin writer uh, and talking about, I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot more video and working with images. And uh, I, I used to cut video, you know, decades ago when I was a, a young cub reporter at a very small station. Mm -hmm. uh, needless to say, the technology has changed quite a bit, and uh, so have my skills. And if uh, if you don't keep those sharpened, uh, but I have learned a lot about video and files and conversions, and it's been fun. You, you know, the weird thing that I found that I liked, and I never would have thought this is is graphics, graphic art. There's a there's an app called Canva. Yeah, I've, and, I've seen it. Yeah, I looked at it. And Canva allows me to take your picture, put it in text and combine the two for, you know, a social media post or whatever the case may be. So it's very rudimentary. It's like, you know, third grade graphic arts class. But I found that I like that. Everything else, it's not me talking. Not so much a fan, but that part I like. <laughs> and were you interested in art and, and graphics? No, it was terrible. I yeah. can't even do the stick right. figures. Yeah, but this is easy because it all does it all for you if you know how to push the right button. Yeah, you just got to know which to which one to click and move. Right. So, I think one of the things I like about it is you're essentially stealing these images and ideas from other people. And I cheated my way through high school, so it just it's kind of it's kind of retro. It's for like, me. Yeah, keeps on going, right? It's just continuous. All right, so let me ask you this uh, because you write about uh, you know a lot because of the nature of things about space and space travel, the future of it, the present of it. Um, with the, the nightmare of Vladimir Putin losing his mind, as I say, he's gone off the beat farm. Um, but Vladimir Putin uh, doing what he's done and continues to do to see the cosmonauts show up on the space station in the colors of the Ukrainian flag. OK, this is the way my mind works. My first thought was that's amazing. I was a little choked up by it. My second thought was who made the uniforms? What were your school colors in university? 
well, high school was purple and white and, and, uh, college was essentially white. I wasn't there that long to remember. I'm still on a leave of absence. <laughs> well, we'll go with the purple and white. Uh, so yeah, everybody, it was actually one of the space core, uh, news core, uh, reporters, uh, first mentioned that on Twitter and the head of Roscosmos, which is the Russian space agency, who is a politician and who is a big Vladimir Putin guy, kind of laughed about it online. And he said, yeah, right. You can you may think that. But all three of these cosmonauts went to the same technical institute and their colors are yellow and blue. So they were making a nod to their technical university in wearing these uniforms. And he was basically laughing at those who were suggesting they were trying to make some political statement about Ukraine. I haven't chased it all the way down, um, but he kind of, and he has said some bizarre things since the invasion. If you have uh, 10 minutes on your hands and you want to just be entertained, go look at the back and forth between American astronaut Scott Kelly and Dmitry Rogazin. And uh, it was striking the first week or so of the invasion. Scott Kelly was just let go with both barrels and Rogazin wasn't having any of it uh, back and forth name calling. It was um, such a sad situation to see. Uh, it was actually somewhat entertaining to see these two guys go after each other. Well, and two huge point people in our respective space programs, such as they are. But um, <clears throat> the, the, the idea that these cosmonauts would slip on the school colors at a time when everybody's focus was Ukraine and it wasn't a political statement is frankly ridiculous. Um, so again, you know this better than anybody. There's a gigantic team that puts together a space mission, a huge team. And there's a team that's in charge of costuming and wardrobe. And these guys don't go out and go, they don't go to target and go, hey, you got anything in purple and gold that I could wear? Yeah. They could have uh, worn the blue, blue ones. Gold. They have plenty blue of and blue gold. ones. So my thought was somewhere in Russia, You've got uh, seamstresses going into hiding because they're the ones that made the uniforms and eventually Putin will get to them. We'll see. You haven't seen them on again. Um, you know, they, they, they donned them before they came into the space station and we haven't seen them again since then. And uh, it's been remarkable uh, because Rogozin actually tweeted out a video that was made by his agency, allegedly, allegedly Roscosmos, that basically they, they ran some video backwards and had the American astronaut Vandehey uh, waving goodbye to the cosmonauts who get into a Soyuz and pull away, leaving him, stranding him in the space station, um, which uh, some people took to be a threat. Um, I saw it more as an implication. Um, I, and also, you know, the guy does run the place and NASA is run by a politician as well. Uh, he's been a little bit off his uh, rocker here on some of these tweets. It's just been just been crazy. So you don't have any concern that as a political play, Putin would say, uh, leave him in space. No, I don't think he would. And and there are other ways, you know, now, now that the uh, dragon capsule is uh, getting up the station, they're supposed to go with crew four here pretty soon. They'll bring crew three back. Um you know, those capsules that uh, Elon Musk has made can actually hold more astronauts than uh, they take. They can ha handle more than four astronauts. So 
uh, there would be a way to do it. But NASA has been adamant from the beginning of the invasion because every availability that we reporters have had to ask them questions about upcoming missions, we've asked them about the Russians. They continue to say they're cooperating, even despite the head of Roscosmos going off the deep end with some of these tweets, that they have a working relationship with Roscosmos. They've been guaranteed and assured that uh, they're going to continue with the program and that uh, Van de Hay will be brought down. They even say there's a, a, a seat swap that is scheduled where astronauts are training in Star City to ride on the Soyuz, and there are some cosmonauts in Hawthorne training with SpaceX to ride on the Dragon, and NASA says that's continuing too. So with all this that's going on with the sanctions and, and the invasion, the one area that there seems to be continuing copper, uh, cooperation, despite what the Russian is saying, uh, is, is space at this point in the, in, the, in the space station. Does this, and obviously this is not the world's number one problem right now, but does this wake us up to the fact that we can't, uh, that Russia can't be the landlords of this anymore? Well, they aren't the landlords. It's an international space station there. Um, it's really the Americans and the Russians are primary, the Europeans and the Japanese uh, heavily involved. Uh, they have a very important module up there, which is the one that's used to kind of move uh, the station to keep it in the right orientation. So if they took that out, uh, there are ways that NASA can run the station by themselves if they need to. But this goes back to what we're talking about um, with the space SpaceX's Dragon and Starliner, which is Boeing's uh, spacecraft, which uh, still hasn't docked with the space station and has got another test flight coming up here uh, in a couple of months. Um, the whole reason was to get off reliance on the Russians, because when we shut down the space shuttle, we went nearly a decade relying only on the Russians to right. get to the space station. So uh, that seems a little prescient that for, a decade uh, and and trying to get this commercial crew stuff going that it's it's work for NASA. They're not quite where they want to be. They want two providers. They really want Boeing to 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 get their uh, get their act together, basically. Um, and there may be others coming uh, down the the road as well. But uh, you know, you you can tell that it's concerned for NASA. And one of the um, deputy administrators got pretty passionate during one news conference saying, you know, this is the one place where we see great international cooperation and it is a shame if we can't continue it. And, and, and they try to say that it's dependent on each, each, the Americans and the Russians are dependent on the other to run the station. And in its current configuration, that is true, but that doesn't mean that if the Russians pulled out that we'd have to deorbit the space station. So uh, the business of making money off of this is, uh, certainly important, but this to me goes to a discussion you and I have had often on the air several times over the years, and that is the lack of understanding of the importance of a viable, robust space program. Are we set back by this, or is it too early to tell? I think it's too early to tell. I mean, we're moving forward with this moon mission. It's called Artemis, uh, and it, it they have a big test coming up uh, here pretty soon, too, in, a, in about another month or so. Um, the real question for America and the space program is Congress. And, uh, you know, the reason that there is one lander planned for the moon right now, which is a SpaceX Starship, a huge spacecraft, uh, is because Congress didn't, according to NASA, give them enough money to have two contractors going. They now decided 
they are going to get a second contractor because uh, they got a little more money from Congress. So I think the space program's bigger problem is is Congress. Uh, but you know the Russians and even more so the Chinese are moving forward and moving fast. So let me ask you about the Chinese. Another story that broke recently. And by the way, we are recording this on March twenty eighth. So depending on when you're listening to this, there may be other space news that's developed that seems dated by our conversation. But as hip as David and I are, it's highly unlikely we missed anything. Um, so China, China uh, made an announcement of sorts that they plan on having space tourism by way of a space station of sorts that we could go visit. Um, club space, not club med, club space that we could go visit in a relatively near future. Is that real? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is real. In fact, um, there's a company called Axiom um, that is planning a mission in a couple of weeks as, as well. It's all private. Uh, there's a former astronaut who is uh, running commander of the mission, taking three civilians to the space station for about eight or nine days. And Axiom wants to build the next space station. There are others who want to build space stations as well. Um, Jeff Bezos's group, uh, it's called Blue Origin, has a thing called Orbital Reef that they want to build a space station as well. Uh, and all these will be privately run and NASA will actually end up renting out space to go up and do experiments. So yes, uh, you will see Western space stations that will accept tourists and um, is Chinese uh, will do the same. So uh, answer a stupid question for me. When satellites are sent into orbit, they're sent in to occupy a particular space in space. Um, there's got to be a land grab of some sorts, right, where these places are being positioned. I know space is infinite, but this is the stupid part of my question. I can't just fly my space station up and put it anywhere, can I? Um, there are international accords. Um, the United Nation has kind of set uh, space law, um, but you can pretty much put it wherever you want to put it, um, generally speaking. I mean, you look what Elon Musk has done with his Starlink, <clears throat> which is an internet provider. He wants to have you know tens of thousands of satellites up there, and he, he's well on his way. And uh, the problem is when you launch, you have to make sure you don't launch through that field of small satellites which is why most of the launches from Florida, uh, some head up the coast, some head out into the ocean. Uh, and, and, and you don't want to fly through not just that, the junk too. And they know when the junk's flying overhead too. Uh, are you surprised that we haven't had an accident of sorts in regards to the amount of space junk that's up there? Yeah, I think we, we've had some small things. They don't get as much attention. Uh, the space station has been hit by micrometeorites. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of junk up there. I did a piece on that some time ago. Um, it, it's not getting, it doesn't get any better either when Russia and China, and it's not that the United States hasn't done it, we haven't done it recently, you know, try an anti-satellite weapon and blow up a satellite into, you know, hundreds of pieces that then continue to float around. Um, and, you know, there was a, a big concern about the Chinese didn't deorbit de a, a satellite correctly. Um, so... It's not quite the Wild West, but it's pretty close to it up there. So when, uh, you know, uh, you, the, uh, I'm old enough to remember Star Wars, the Reagan thing in the 80s when SDI, you and I were kids. Strategic Defense Initiative. Right. So the idea being Russia could throw up a nuke um, and we could blow it up before it did the damage it needs to do. Um, I know the Pentagon hasn't called you and told you today. Here's what we're doing, Dave. 
but what sort of technology exists for that? Do you know? Yeah, we did. You know, we kind of gave that up. That was kind of like creating a, a, a dome over the United States so that uh, any, any incoming missile would be destroyed. Um, and there were, I, I did a lot of reporting on that because uh, at the time I was in Seattle and covering Boeing and Boeing was trying to get a big chunk of that uh, SDI funding and did get, and did get significant amount of it. Um, we're doing more anti, uh, anti-missile technology uh, batteries that, uh, you know, see a missile and then go get it and destroy it. But you've heard about in Ukraine for the first time, the Russians using a hypersonic weapon, Right, and we believe the Chinese have hypersonic weapons, uh, and those are much harder to shoot down because they are so fast. I got to tell you a story. I, I think it was eight or nine, ten years ago. I was over at the Pentagon, and I had met um, a Navy. Uh, he became chief of naval operations. That's when I saw him, and uh, I asked him at the time what what keeps you up at night, and he was talking then about hypersonic weapons that uh, the Chinese were moving pretty fast and, and we weren't, uh, that has changed in the last decade. And, um, apparently we're making progress, but I don't know that we're deployable yet. Um, and I'm not sure they'd tell us if, if, if we are, um, uh, speaking of nukes, nuclear energy, uh, is becoming more of a topic again. Everybody wants cheap gas. Nobody wants it in their backyard. Uh, you know, it, 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 nuclear energy seems to be something that's going to come up again because, EVs and the Holy Grail search for the great battery, that's all well and good, but it creates a problem where you have to have electricity to run these cars with whatever battery you choose. And electricity is generated by turbines that need oil to run factories. It's all one big circle. So in our lifetime, because you and I have a lot of years left, um, are we going to see that sort of a changeover in your mind? So, um, I've been really surprised about this, and this is a piece that I will write. Uh, there are a couple of pieces coming. I, I, On I full throttle, kids. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, it, nuclear power is getting a whole different look with a whole different kind of technology. Bill Gates is working on a new kind of uh, nuclear power plant that uh, might might um, deal with some of the arguments, the safety arguments against nuclear power. We'll see. There's a lot of talk. Uh, you've seen what's happened in Germany. You know, they decided uh, some time ago to get rid of their nuclear plants and, and uh, some there are probably wishing they hadn't because of their reliance on Russian gas and oil. And there's another story. Um, there are a number of people that I've spoken to in the space industry that, you know, when they hear about Elon Musk's plan to go to the Mars, they think really um, we need to have nuclear propulsion to do that as well. Um, small little reactors that'll get you there much faster because it's such a long trip to Mars. Uh, and uh, there are companies that are developing that as well, but your bigger picture, a um, lot of talk that uh, there may be a, a, a new, it's, it's a new era. It's a new technology. It's still nuclear power. You're still dealing with um, radioactive material and radio, radioactive waste. Yeah, so uh, the the great uh, notion of the right stuff of, you know, flying on this ball of fire that's created behind you, I guess it's a little different if underneath your fanny is a nuclear reactor. Well, ask the guys that are in our submarines under the ocean and the no, guys on point. the aircraft carriers uh, on, yeah. on the surface. Um, 
the Navy's been using nuclear power for a very long time. It's a great point. Um, all right, before we run out of time, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, billionaires and their money, or is this going somewhere? So uh, Branson, um, to me, his company right now, uh, Virgin Galactic, is a, is a thrill ride. Um, he does have Virgin Orbit, which is a, a 747, and they carry a small little rocket, which I saw them building in California. And it's a sleek-looking little rocket that they can put um, satellites into space. Uh, he talks uh, the same way that the other two do about the uh, the overview effect that uh, when you get up up high and look at Earth and realize how fragile it is, you have a different view. Uh, Bezos and and Musk. I think really believe uh, that Musk is, he, he believes we need to be a multi-planetary species. Um, not that we want to go live someplace else, but if we completely mess it up down here um, and considering what's happened in the last month, um, you could see that coming. People are talking about nuclear weapons and tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, so he is, he he's there. And then, Bezos is the same way. He, he doesn't necessarily want a colony on Mars. He'd like a, a big, big space station uh, where you could get people off the planet to basically save the species. Um, Musk's latest, uh, I've been, he's said it before, but I, I, the flame of consciousness he wants to protect. Oh, he's a fascinating guy. Yeah, you can love him or hate him. Um, he, you got to give the guy credit. He's done what he said he was going to do said he was going to build electrical cars, electric cars. He did. He said he was going to build a reusable rocket. People said it couldn't be yeah. done and he did it. Um, it was interesting. Somebody asked a question on one of the NASA news conferences the other day. You know, he, 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 he offered to fight Putin one-on-one. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the question to some of the NASA officials, is this the person that, uh, that you <laughs> want to build a moon lander with? You know what? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because he's got the same rock and roll cowboy attitude that the original right stuff guys had and, uh, let the scientists behind him that have kept him between the white lines with Tesla kind of manage that ego. But I want that brain out there working and occasionally him shooting from the uh, hip and the lip is not such a bad thing. And by the way, I like his chances against Putin. I don't know how he do against Will Smith. <laughs> I actually, God, you had to do that one, didn't you? you? Had to go there. I actually, uh, it's I've watched so much of him now, Musk, that uh, he'll get a question. You can and and he he will pause sometimes for four, five, six seconds, and you can just see the calculations going on yep. in his brain. And uh, I certainly can't do what he, I mean. The guy, he, he has a big brain. Yeah, and he is no a showman too. He, he uh, you know, if you if I think of anybody, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Howard Hughes. Yeah, right. Right. And, and you would hope he escapes the Howard Hughes ending. All right. And uh, last absolutely. question for you, David Curley, and get full throttle. Just Google David Curley full throttle. Uh, sign up for free. Read the content. Uh, experience the content. It's great. There's nobody that does what you do uh, even close to what you do. Thank you. Um, in educating the rest of us and doing it in an entertaining way. Um, but all of us lose sleep every night wondering who Pete Davidson is going to have sex with next. Um, and uh, uh, Pete Davidson continues as one of the goofiest looking Americans to have a string of beautiful women falling all over themselves to be with him. He was supposed to fly into outer space and um, he's not now. 
Yeah, they moved the flight and he said he couldn't make it. <laughs> because I, I don't know what happened. No, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I just know that that that's that's what I heard. Okay. All right. Maybe we'll you know, all and, 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 and uh, I did write a piece about uh, and Bezos's Blue Origin Company has done a, a really good job. I mean, when you take up William Shatner and Michael yeah. Strahan, it draws attention. It gets you coverage. Without Pete Davidson, I, I, I'm looking around to see who of my colleagues are going to cover it, and I don't think it's going to get much coverage. Blue Origin will cover it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's another story. I mean, this is the this is one of the things that I'm concerned about. NASA uh, was always fairly transparent, not completely, but they gave us a lot of information uh, through the shuttle program and certainly through Apollo. Um, now you have companies controlling the information and deciding what to show, what not to show. Uh, and they are bound, you know, even though they're using your money, you know, SpaceX has built, Elon's built his company with your dollars that he got through contracts with NASA. Uh, and when they turn off the feeds or they don't let us hear something, it concerns me uh, down the road when yeah. private companies control that. I mean, you could have the same conversation I mean, we are having it right now with the technology companies, with yep. Google and Facebook and the rest of them. Yeah. And honestly, I don't uh, lose that much sleep over it because I know you're going to get the answers and tell us. Uh, we're trying. We're trying. That's it. That's it. David Curley, full throttle. Google David Curley, full throttle. Sign up for it and uh, get the content, share it with your friends. And uh, let's make sure everybody's reading what you're writing because it's important stuff. Always a pleasure, Steve. I guess I'm going to have to come to Chicago or you're going to have to come to D.C. to play golf. I can't wait, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Take care. Thank you, David Curley and Dr. Kevin Most. All right. Uh, charitably, we mention a charity and plug a charity on every episode of Live from My Office. Uh, today, keeping in mind the urgent need in Ukraine for so much, we salute and ask you to help World Central Kitchen, uh, founded by celebrity chef Jose Andres, who, in my mind, is a saint. This guy is just unbelievable. Uh, they've responded to disasters and emergency needs all over the world for years and years. And they are absolutely essential. They're crucial to the need to feed refugees who are fleeing Ukraine and those who are still remaining behind. Uh, they are doing more than 200,000 hot meals a day in this crisis that is not an easy thing to facilitate, but they're getting it done. But they need our help. And if you can, I hope you will. Easy to donate. Just go to their website. World Central Kitchen is at WCK.org. That's WCK.org. Always check out the show notes for information related to these episodes. Uh, coming up uh, next time we do live from my office, Kevin Matthews is back. Uh, we'll talk about what he and Jim Shorts are up to. You know, Jim rents a room from Kevin. I don't know if they're still together. But Kevin has a new definition of elevator music he wants to tell you about as well. So we'll catch up with uh, Kevin Matthews and preview the baseball season with my pal and one of the best in the game, Mike Farron from Sirius XM MLB uh, Baseball Channel. Uh, and uh, Mike will be on talking about his take on this season where your favorite team might end up what sort of damage baseball did to itself again with this work stoppage that they got figured out and, and where we go from here. But baseball, it's a time for hope. 
So looking forward to having you hear that. Kevin Matthews and Mike Farron next time. As I said, thank you, Dr. Most. Get that booster when you can, folks. And uh, thank you to uh, David Curley as well. And don't forget to sign up for his newsletter, Full Throttle, in the show notes, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you'll see the link for that. Subscribe, rate, review, wherever you do hear this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Tell your friends to do the same. Your support is appreciated. Uh, Thank you, Ross Cochran, for putting it together as always. And thank you for listening to Live from My Office. Thank you for listening to Live from My Office, a service of Monkey Run Productions. All rights reserved. The podcast is hosted by Steve Cochran, and it's mixed, edited, and produced by me, Ross Cochran. Support the show by subscribing wherever you're listening and by telling your friends about it. Follow Steve on all social media channels, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And make sure you check out this episode's show notes for relevant information discussed during the conversations. You can also email the show directly at thecochranshow at gmail.com with any questions or comments. And that's the best place to tell us about your favorite nonprofit so we can make sure we mention them on the next episode. Steve is available for corporate speaking gigs. He would love to MC your event. And occasionally, he's funny. Thank you for listening. Head to CochranShow.com for more.